Hey there, podcast listeners. Exciting news. My new audiobook, The Short Book Formula, a financial professional's guide to writing a book in six weeks to attract ideal clients, is out now. And the best part, for a limited time, we're offering this audiobook to you for free. Hurry over to www.theshortbookformula.com and claim your copy now. And now, on to our show. Hey everyone, this is Paul McManus, the CEO of More Clients, More Fun and the host of the Million Dollar Producer Show. And I am honored today to have my guest, um, Mike Bell. Mike Bell is the Executive Vice President of First Financial Resources and has been in the life insurance industry for um, a few decades now. Um, I think A long time, 40 years. I think most prominently, uh, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were the Executive Vice President of Pacific Life for over 30 years. Well, I was with Pacific Life for 35 years. I had a lot of different jobs. <laughs> so if, if we can, um, you know, I'd like to um, go back to the beginning because you have a very long, distinguished career um, in this industry. And, you know, 35 years ago or, or whenever it was, what brought you into to this business? What got you into Pacific Life or just the life insurance industry in general? Now, you know, it's kind of a, a funny story. So I was just turned 21. Mm. And so, you know, not a lot uh, going for me, just out of uh, school working. And uh, to be honest with you, the way I got into the insurance business is I sold carpet to a sales manager at Pacific Life who recruited me into to them for sales as a career agent. Oh, wow. <laughs> life at 21 as a career agent. Wow. That, that, that is very that interesting. Been, so, that would have been 79, 1979. Very cool. Now, now that, that prompts the question for me is how do you go from selling or selling carpet, I believe you said, um, to running as the executive vice president of Pacific Life? Yeah. How do you start there and end up where you ended up? Well, you start there, but then you realize you're not a very good prospector, Ooh. <laughs> which is a bad thing if you're on the sales side of it. Yeah. But I was in sales for about nine years for Pacific Life, and then I was offered the opportunity to take over their San Francisco branch office okay. and run that, uh, which I did for uh, in San Francisco for about nine years. Um, and then at the, after that, uh, they asked me to come into the home office and run distribution. Okay. And so I went into the home office, ran distribution and marketing for about seven, eight years, and then took over the life operation and ran the life, the life division my last eight years there. Very so one company, but a lot of different jobs in a lot of different places. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, as, as, I, as I think you know, mar marketing is near and dear to my heart. Um, so I'm curious to ask, while you were in the marketing department at Pacific Life, um, what were some of the um, things that you were doing to, 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 grow, to, to, to grow revenue? Our whole focus at that time was just delivering value to the producers hmm. and to the advisors at the time. So the important thing, you know, not a lot of great ideas will come out of a home office, hmm. but they can... Uh, jazz up some ideas that the field starts with, make sure they're compliant, and put them into presentable uh, presentations for the producers. And at that time, in the early years of that marketing, um, producers were looking for that. Sure. Uh, there, was, there was an evolution in the industry where 
producers were leaving the career business and going out on their own. Right. Um, and that was in the late 80s, uh, mid to late 80s. That's when producer groups started uh, because producers had gone out on their own and then decided, you know what, it's pretty lonely out there. Right. When you're out there by yourself. So then they started to come together in, in producer groups. But you then might- when they really started looking for marketing materials and help from the carriers. And Pacific Life kind of led that way in that brokerage community. Well, that, that's very cool. You know, I, I think you bring up an interesting point about entrepreneurs and, and independent producers is that, you know, I think a lot of us enjoy being independent and being our own boss. And, you know, part of that is that it can be lonely out there. And so it just- can be lonely out there, especially if you started as a career yeah. agent. And that's usually the process. You start that way and then you, you start seeing that there's other companies and other opportunities out there. But then when you go out there, it's, it's a complete shock on everything that you have to do on your own. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that um, it was during the 80s that producer groups started forming and you um, in Pacific Life took the lead there. Um, and I know now you're part of a producer group, um, First yes. Financial Resources. Before we go specifically to First Financial Resources, I'd love to get maybe some of your insight from, you know, from the Pacific Life perspective or just your, your role then about the value that you saw producer groups have and offer producers. Well, we were one of, at Pacific Life, we were one of the first carriers in M Financial. Hmm. And, and M was really the first big producer group. Uh, FFR followed and NFP followed after that and some of the more recent ones. Uh, but we found it as a way as the carriers, we wanted to get out of the, the career business and we wanted to get into the brokerage business um, without becoming a, uh, a BGA company per se. Okay. We started doing direct contracts with the producer groups and we found it to be not only profitable, but great business ideas and, and synergy in those groups. And that's where that all really started going. It was Pacific Life, Security Life of Denver were the first two with them. Very cool. So before we pivot and move into your experience now at First Financial Resources, um, I know this is you know three decades plus. Sure. What if any um, key insights or or even maybe a, a, a story? Um, what what would your experience there? How would you how would you you know now looking back? How would you look back to that experience, just personally or or professionally? It's been an incredible evolution in our industry. Um, both from the carrier side and the producer side. And we've been through a lot together. I would say that the high point was the coming together of the producer groups and working with them. The low point was probably the crisis 2008, 9, 10, where agents went in a different direction than the carriers went. And okay. there was kind of a, a, a mistrust on both sides. Uh, we've kind of come through that with some uh, you know, strange business during that time of Stoli and some other stuff. But now I think the the two sides are coming back together. They're starting to trust each other again. And that's what's really needed in this, in this industry if we're going to take it forward. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's, everybody's got to remember that this is a, a long-term business. And okay. so, so the carriers got to take a look at business and believe that it's going to stay on the books. And producers um, need to sell stuff that's going to stay on the books. Absolutely. Now we met. It was it was roughly a year ago. Um, I was invited to speak at the regional focus group. I believe it was in Dallas for yep. first financial resources, and that was an excellent opportunity for me. Which I met you and Judd and other 
um, people at First Financial Resources since then I've gotten to know um, yourself and, and many other folks there. And so just, you know, from my perspective, First Financial Resources is a fantastic organization. Um, before we go specifically into the benefits of it and why people join it, um, you know, I would imagine, I mean, given your, your background and, and, you know, your experience and your, your past roles, that must have been quite a, a coup, if you will, for First Financial Resources to be able to bring you over to um, as part of their team. Well, they, they like to think that it was a great recruiting job. Yeah. The biggest part of it was there in my backyard. So, Ooh. Uh, <laughs> but, I, but I did, you know, I, we did at Pack Life. I did business with NFP and I know the guys over there, Mike James and the group, and I know M Group and I know Lion Street. And I, I know all, all these groups and I did talk to them all. Uh, FFR was just a better fit for me and, and really a platform that I believe in and that I believe in is going to go forward and withstand going forward. It's, it's stronger and bigger today than it's ever been in its 30 plus years. And j just as we were starting this conversation, and we'll go into a lot of the details about FFR, um, you know, my, my understanding is that the recent meeting that you all had in Laguna Beach um, a few months back is that business is booming. Just as we started this conversation, you're saying that, you know, you're, you're, you're busier than you've ever been, I believe. Um, you know, what, you know, just, you know, uh, top level picture, what is accounting for the success of FFR? Why is FFR unique? Why is it experiencing the success that it is? Because I just heard the other day that, you know, a lot of other people are down. Um, yes. What is accounting for your success at FFR? I really think the difference is FFR treats the producers as business people. Uh, you, you, you join FFR because you want to be independent. Yeah. You want to build your business. You want to have direct relationships with the carriers. You're not looking for a third party in there. You're looking for the producer group to go out and negotiate great contracts for you, bring in great services, and then get out of your way. And one of the problems I think some groups do is they try to get too deep into the people's business. Hmm. And they're always taken a little bit because not only are you trying to build your business, but you're building that organization's business. And not all producers are interested in building somebody else's organization. Sure. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I mean, I think that's I think that's the beauty of being independent. You want the resources that that you need, the community that you need. Yes. Um, but you but you don't. But there's that fine line of you know what's needed and what goes too far in terms of what you're willing to pay for. And and you know what the the biggest mistake I think that carriers have made, and and advisors have made. If if I look back over the years is the fact that they gave up the relationships with each other. Hmm. The most important thing a carrier has is the relationships with the producers. The most important thing the producer has is the carrier and the trust they have with the producer has with the carriers. So, you know, producers start going off one way, carriers went off in another way, third party uh, distributors came in and that relationship, that direct relationship kind of went away. And we're working on bringing that back because I think that's the most important thing going forward for the industry. That's fantastic. I was at your recent event in Laguna Beach where I believe there was, um, I believe you have about 150, I could be wrong, um, members of, of uh, FFR. And there was up to 100 or so at the recent event in Laguna Beach. Um, and, you know, I know quite a few members of FFR. And, you know, my sense is that these are like some really great 
I say guys just because I think the reality is is that ninety five percent are guys. Um, <laughs> Trust me, we, we're we're looking. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> Equal opportunity, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and and the guys that I know are, are just fantastic people. I mean, they're they're genuine. They're 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 smart. Um, they're they're great at what they do. Um, you know, Mark Larrabee, Shane Walls, um, others that we that we both know. Um, if you would tell me a little bit more about what creates that community, because I've also seen um, from people that I know uh, a significant level of collaboration. You know, yes. and, and I find that that is unique because I in, in this you know in this industry, um, on the one side there's a lot of kind of you know we don't want to share our our stuff, our secrets, our knowledge because for competitive reasons. But by the same token, what I've experienced with the people I've interacted with is a lot of sharing, a lot of collaboration, a lot of um, being you know in it for each other. And, and that's why you would join, really, is because you want that synergy of, of being around in a room full of top producers. And the great thing when you go to an FFR meeting, you're in that room with top producers, but you don't know what anybody else's production is. We're, we, we don't get into posting production because it doesn't matter. We're a dues-based organization. So when you're in that room, you're sitting next to some really heavy hitters, and that's how you bring your business up. They're much more willing to share when they, when they throw production numbers and that side of the business out and they're just talking about how do I improve? And so between the study groups we have and the two or three meetings we have a year, the synergies that, that they build, that's the most powerful part of FFR. Absolutely. My understanding is that they're out of the 150-ish members, and I don't have the exact number, out of them about a third roughly are what um, I would call the million-dollar producer club. Yes. Um, and so, you know, just to your point is that even though you don't publish those numbers and you don't, you know, make it about that, what you were saying is that, you know, you have these very successful people, one of the quotes that I always like is that you become the five people that you spend the most time with. And so, you know, you know, I always like to hang out and spend time with people that are further ahead than me, because that's the fastest way for me to get better and grow. Um, and that's the way for, for producers, especially when we bring in young producers, you know, our average age at FFR used to be in the high fifties and now it's in the, the mid to high forties, which oh, is a, okay a great direction for us to be, to be heading for the industry. But it's those ideas, those sharing of ideas. You know, when I'm a guy that does a couple hundred thousand a year and I can sit in a room and I'm sitting at a table with four or five guys that do 1 million plus and they're sharing ideas with me. And I find out that this guy does pension plans or this guy does premium financing. And I can kind of either do joint work with them, which I strongly recommend to, as a, the way to learn or I can just bend their ear a little bit and, and share some ideas and get some ideas of what they're doing. Where else can they go to find that and get that from any place else? It's very rare. One of the things that you all do is you have study groups. Um, can you yes. tell us more about what the FFR study groups are and then how that facilitates what you were just describing? Yeah, we currently have seven or eight study groups. Um, they meet twice a year. And it's, it really is a, a idea sharing group. Matter of fact, you won't be allowed into a study group unless you come willing to share who you are, what you are, the, which, how you sell, what, what's your clientele, really open yourself up, not only business wise, but personal wise, because these groups get very tight. 
Yeah. They know what's going on with each other. They know what's going on in each other's lives. And that's so important. I mean, like I say, it's a lonely business out there. But when you can be there with a group of people that you now are meeting with twice a year, you're sharing what's going on, not only in business, but in your personal life. Sure. That's what keeps it together. That's the glue. That's the strength. That's fantastic. I recently had the opportunity. Um, I'm in Houston, as you may know, and one of the study groups that uh, I think Rob. I thought, you were, I thought you were in Hawaii. Yeah, <laughs> that's Joanne, my business partner. She, you know, when we did the lottery, somehow she 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 got the better one. She won. Yes. <laughs> she won. She won. <laughs> um, but just a few months ago, Eric Voigt was out there, and there was a study group with Mark and Rob and other and another gentleman there, and. Um, they invited me to come attend. And so it was great. Yeah, I mean, you know, I only knew a couple of them, but just very, you know, family-like. I mean, it was just interesting yeah. conversations that I, you know, heard them have and just the level of relationship and trust. And, and our guys just like to be together. Yeah. You know, they, they truly like each other. They truly like to share ideas. And, you know, we have 186 members, so I'm not going to say they all love each other, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> with the study groups and stuff, they, they really do share. And it's very rarely, very, it's rare that we get into a position where they're competing with each other. Mm -hmm. and, and that's really, you think, oh, you got all these guys, they got to be competing with each other. And, and they really don't run into each other that often. And, and, and why is that? Can you, can you share a little bit more? I mean, I know that you mentioned joint. There's a lot more business out there than there are advisors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and, and they all kind of have their own niches and they work in their niche areas. And most of them, once, when, when they get into a client, the client's not going to go elsewhere. Yeah. They're, they're pretty secure in that. And, and they'll even bring in some of the producers to meet with their clients if they have a pretty good idea that they think the client can profit from. That's awesome. Yeah. Switching gears. Um, so in, in terms of, FFR members, um, can you talk about who, from the perspective of FFR, who is an ideal um, person to potentially join? What's 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 the range of that? What's it on the on the one end? What's it on the other end? Why would they want to look at FFR? You'd want to. People come to look because again, they're looking at producer groups. They're looking at joining an organization. They want to see what they're going to get from that organization as far as building their business. Um, honestly, the ones that, that choose to go to FFR are very independent, usually have office staff that can, uh, that does most of their work. They're not looking for somebody to run illustrations. They're not looking for somebody to, to process their, their business. They, they can go direct. We can work with them on dealing directly with the carriers and build that relationship with the carriers. And because of that, they're going to keep the money they're going to keep all of their money. They're not going to be paying a third party 10 points or whatever based on a production grid. Um, we don't have production grids. You get paid the highest payout day one of all the contracts we have. We're a dues-based organization. And how we know if we're doing the right thing or not is every year somebody's got to write a check to renew their dues. Mm -hmm. And so we get a report card every year. And, you know, we've been very good at keeping the core block. We may lose 5% uh, in any one year, sure. but we're adding on all the time. Um, but we are also a, a, an organization that you have to be referred into. Sure. Either by one of our core carriers or by another member 
we, we're not out cold calling, prospecting for people to join. Uh, the people that are on the list to join are all people who have been referred in. That's fantastic. Tell me a little bit more if you would. So in, in terms of where does a person that need to be financially in their business um, before that they, before they'd be considered as a potential member? Yeah. You want somebody that's, if you look at the numbers, the breakout point, the break-even point is if you're, you're, you need to be doing close to a quarter million a year of premium. Uh, at that, all the numbers work really well. Um, below that, you know, it, it just depends on the mix of business and what kind of business it is. And one year you may be below that, one year you may be way above that. And so financially, the numbers work the best at about a quarter of a million. But, you know, you might do it at a... At, Less than that because you want to be in study groups because you want to grow that business. Sure. So if you get referred in by, you know, one of the advisors or a carrier who says, you know, this is a really strong person, up and coming person that you want in your organization, we're, we're going to find a way to get them in. In addition to, so, so what I've heard you say is that um, a person needs to be referred in, um, that typically they need to be doing at least 250000 or more premium for financially for it to make sense. Um, what are some of the other qualities or characteristics that make an ideal um, member for first financial yeah. resources? Usually they, they're going to be in the advanced marketplace. Okay. Uh, high end estate planning marketplace. That's where a lot of our business comes or the pension marketplace qualified type business. And they have to be able to um, be independent as far as doing their business, as far as processing business, setting up medicals, doing the stuff that maybe they've been paying a BGA for, but they just have no idea how much they've been paying that BGA to do it. Uh, most of the guys that are, are here are doing anywhere from five to 25 cases a year, very large cases. So they really don't need a lot of processing help. And hmm. most in business long enough that they have staff that know how to do that, kind of where, where the big kids go to play. Hmm. The, 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 the people that are already independent, they're not looking to uh, have somebody come and tell them how to do business. Really, they're, they don't want to be told how to do business. They want to be given the, the services that they want when they want it. And the rest of the time, they want to be left alone. Hallelujah. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way I would want it. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking you find, but you do find out over time, even the ones that want to be alone and stuff, after they join a, the, uh, the group and they join a study group and they come to some of our meetings and right. all of a sudden they're, you know, the wives meet the other wives yep. and, the meet and all that, it <laughs> does become a family and it's becoming a bigger and bigger family. But there is definitely, uh, and you were there, a family sure. feel at sure. the meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that I think that's the irony, right? It's it's that we want to be independent and left alone, and then we also want those benefits of the social benefits with peers and the families and the wives and <laughs> everything. But the important thing is we want it when we want it, not exactly. when, not necessarily when you want to give it to us. So just be there when I want you. Exactly, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile before we got on the call right now, and um, I noticed that you published an article um, sometime. You got back. recommendations on how to change it for me. Uh, no, just get it out there more. The, I think the title of it or the key thrust of it was that um, use the word commission club. Yes. Um, could you tell me more about that? Yeah, you know what? I, I threw that out there because uh, 
competitors and other producer groups will oft, often tell you that FFR is just a commission club. And they say that like that's a bad thing. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, yes. I mean, that's the worst you got to say about us, and so be it. Sure. Um, we do pay the highest commission. We're, we're a dues-based organization. So, so you pay dues to join. And since you pay dues to join, we don't take any of the compensation away. So you receive everything from the carrier. You receive all the overrides that FFR makes as well to you. So you're getting, no matter if you're a $200,000 a year producer or a $2 million a year producer, you're getting the same payouts. You start at the same number. There's no grids. You've paid your dues. You're a full member. So that's where one sometimes where some of the other groups are taking five to 10 points, depending on your production, to help pay for them. Sure. Uh, we don't do that. And so sometimes they say, oh, people who join them are just a commission club. They're just joining a commission club. That's just not true. We have the same services. We have, we have people, we have competition units, we have MDs on staff. We can help you get all the stuff you want. Um, we're just training you and helping you go direct so you can keep your money. <laughs> and if you want to call us a commission really, club, go for it. <laughs> you know, it, it's, not, it's no more complicated than that. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> so, you know, just where you're going to get paid the highest if you do production. That's awesome. Um, what are some of the other key benefits for someone considering FFR? So we talked about um, the ability to go direct to the carriers. Um, I believe you're one of the longest um, um, uh, uh, producer groups there are going back to the uh, late 80s. Um, you know, you're one of the earliest formed. We're one, we are the only producer group that is 100% owned by the advisors. And why so is that important? The, um, because the advisors vote on who the board is and that's who we work with uh, here at the FFR office is the board that's elected by the advisors plus it means that there's no management ownership and there's no outside third party ownership so there's nobody that can drive the direction of the company other than the advisors so uh, you know i i've heard the 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 claim that ownership has its privileges and we agree with that, 100% ownership even has more. And so the advisors have 100% ownership, and, and that's big. That really is big over time. You know, FFR started, and it's, it's grown to a point now where uh, we're doing a lot of premium. We, we're, we're number one with three or four of the major carriers out there in distribution. Uh, with that, you, you get better contracts. You get better deliveries, del deliverables that you can bring to our producers. Uh, some of those deliverables are, are going to be in competition help in, in getting illustration softwares to you and, and packages that you can use. We'll go to the members and say, if you see something out there that you think would help all the members, let us know. We have an MD that you can send your cases to get reviewed before you send them to an insurance company. So a lot of the services that you're going to find, and then we, we tap into the carriers. Cap carriers have great advanced design people. They've got people there that know what they're doing. So we, we hook you up with them a lot in helping design the cases before you send them into the, uh, to the carriers. Then you've got, you know, we've got a staff of 14, hmm. um, which is when you compare to the other groups, a third. Hmm. Um, but then again, you know, we, we've got to run based on the dues sure. and, and, 
we got to run a very tight ship because we're spending the advisor's money sure. when, when we're running the office here. So we're able to do, you know, we will do uh, well north of 100 million of target premium this year as we did last year. And we do that with 13 or 14 employees. Very cool. Yeah. If I can ask, what is the, the future? What is the growth trajectory? What is it that you would like FFR to accomplish over the next one, three, five years? You know what? The great thing about uh, FFR is that there is no pressure to grow. So we, it's not like we wake up January 1 and say, we need to bring in 25 people or we need to get production over this limit. There's none of that. We want all the good ones. <laughs> you know, if, 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 it's, if there's a good producer out there doing good numbers and doing it the right way, they're, they're a potential FFR member. If we don't find them, we're fine. We don't have to bring anybody in. And the members of current members know that as well. So, you know, when they refer somebody, that's important because uh, they know what we're looking for. They know we're not looking just to, to add bodies to add bodies. It doesn't do anybody good. We, we want them to bring as much to us as we can bring to them. You got to be willing to go and be members of study groups. You got to be willing to participate. Uh, that's the biggest value. So our, our, our future is great. Yep. Like I say, we're, we continue to grow and we continue to grow at, at large with large numbers. Um, but there's no mandate to grow. Shifting gear slightly. Um, and this quite, you know, so, so this, this uh, podcast is called a million dollar producer show. Um, and over your career of 35 plus years, you, you mentioned that you started out um, in, in going, I think it was selling or, or doing something to carpet. Yeah, no, being a career agent selling. And, and, and quickly you became a, you got recruited and you're like, ah, oh, prospecting. And so you decided to go and climb the ladder and become the um, well. top person there. So, so, so the question is, is in all that time, you've worked with many, 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 many people from struggling to um, highly successful million dollar yeah. producers. And what I'd love to pivot to now is just, what are your insights? I mean, whether it's FFR, your experience before that, what are those common traits, characteristics that make someone successful in this industry? A um, couple things. I, I, I was kind of thinking about that. One is one is the producer who has looks is looking at this as a long term career uh, because you know when you write a twenty five million dollar policy, let's say, sometimes a producer forgets that at some point a carrier is going to write a check for twenty five million dollars. You know, you might just look at, well, it's costing them 30 grand a year or whatever. And you think about that, but somebody's going to write a check for 25 million and it's a long term. It could be 10 years from now. It could be 30 years from now. So the producer has to have that long term look at same as the carrier to begin with and, and, and understand that what you sell today, you're going to have to go back to that client five years from now and justify and, and explain to them. And so you can't just be looking at the sale for the sales today. It's got to be for the long term. The other thing, as you're coming along, the best way to learn is by joint work. Hmm. So I see producers all the time that would come in and say, I've got this uh, uh, deferred compensation case. And we'd talk about it. And they'd say, I'd say, well, you might want to bring in so-and-so. And every you, you see it all the time. They'd say, well, I don't want to split the case. Hmm. Well, that producer says that's probably not going to get that case and is not going to be long-term in the business. The producer says, you know, I'm willing to split the case to learn what's going to learn how to do this. 
and, and kind of pay dues to learn how to do it and not learn by making mistakes with your client, but is willing to learn by doing joint work will in the long term do much better. That, that joint work, learning how they're doing. If you're doing your first premium finance case, don't think you can do it by yourself. You probably can the first year, but you know what? That has second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh year admin that you don't even know you have to do yet. So I, you know, bring in some of the big hitters in premium finance, learn from them, and then go out and do them on your own. There's a there's kind of a price to pay, and that's that's how you. That's really how you learn. You can read books all day long, but you're going to learn by being out there and doing it and rubbing shoulders with the ones who, who are doing it success, successfully. I would add to that, in my experience, you know, getting an interested prospect, if you will, um, in a concept is one thing, and successfully moving them and navigating the relationship to a point where that person is, is comfortable and confident in you and what you're offering um, are, are two different things, right? I mean, you know, there's concepts that people can show interest in, then there's actually the skill set, if you will, of um, getting, you know, closing a case, if you will. Um, and what I've found is that what I love about what you said is that, um, you know, ultimately it all comes down to you're selling trust. Yep. You're establishing trust, you're selling trust. And so for someone to make, you know, especially a higher net worth person, a more successful person, high income person, what have you, for them to really make that decision it comes down to establishing trust. And from my experience, you know, what better way, um, unless you have a long history of doing say premium finance or working in the specific market, um, what better way to not only learn, as you said, but what better way to, to give confidence to the person that you know exactly what you're doing. Right. Especially in, in your, cause you're talking so much money. These, yeah. these cases are so big now and so much money involved that you, you really need to have that expert in there until you build that up. I remember back in the 80s and 90s, one of the biggest producers in the industry was Peter Mullen. Hmm. And Peter was one of the founders of M Financial. He was one of the founders of Deferred Compensation, did some of the early businesses. And I remember him telling the story one time. He said, look, there's, there's two ways you can learn about Deferred Comp or any idea. He says, you can spend the next three months reading about it in a book. Mm -hmm or you can go out and make an appointment with a client to talk about it in two weeks. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you that if you have that appointment scheduled two weeks from now, you're either going to learn about it or you're going to bring somebody in who knows about it. And I always remember that. And I thought, boy, that makes a lot of sense. The other thing producers need to remember is the importance of servicing the block of business, hmm. the going and seeing their client every year, you know, the, the products we sell now are interest sensitive. They go up, they go down a lot, depending on the market. They're, they're complex instruments. Mm -hmm. And if you're not out in front of your client twice a year, kind of showing them what they bought, why it's working, or if rates have come down and let them know, your, your clients are fine with things not, you know, going up and down. They understand that. What they don't understand is if they don't hear from you. Sure. So the worst thing that's going to happen to you for going out and seeing your client is he may give you a referral. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> the worst thing that's going to happen to you if you don't go out and see your client is he's going to buy some from somebody else. Yeah. And so, you know, I think joint work and service to me are the success. Uh, prospecting is the toughest part of our business. Sure. And I know that's what your firm really works well with in helping these 
these guys get to be million dollar producers. A lot of them are great salespeople. Mm -hmm. The problem is they just can't get in front of people to make the sale. Sure. So a lot of this business is all around prospecting. And that's really an individual thing that a person has to be willing to put in, have a system and, and keep working the referral marketplace. And you, and you work the referral marketplace by doing a good job for your client. Sure. And in, in, in that, in that, in my experience is also the, the, the easiest business to have, right? Because when you already have trust, as you said, you know, you, you service the um, person um, once, twice a year, keep in touch, make sure that everything's going well. And, you know, likely you're going to walk out with a, a referral or so. And to be successful in my mind is that the easiest business you're going to ever have is selling more to an existing client. Absolutely. Or um, getting a referral, which then you have a transference of trust. Now, you know, prospecting, as you said, which is, you know, kind of the core, the, the core thing that I do, it's very doable, but it's also the hardest business to convert because you're, you're really having to not only create relevancy and interest, but you're also having to establish trust with people. Yep. And it takes a while. And look, at if I was a good prospector, I'd have never gone into the home office. <laughs> it's much more fun out in the field than it is in the home office. I can assure you that. No, most of the people in the home office are people who tried to sell it and really couldn't be successful at that. So, and it really was around prospecting. You know, when you're, if you're in the business seven years from now and you're still waking up going, I wonder who I'm going to sell today, you haven't done a good job of prospecting and setting up your business. Yeah. yeah, I know. I, I think you heard uh, Shane Walls, one of one of our mutual um, yeah. clients, I guess you can say, uh, um, talk about it. And you know, he's a guy that since he joined FFR, you know, he went from doing a couple hundred thousand a month to over you know a couple million. Um, so you know, um, you know, I like to take credit for that, but you know, in all honesty, I think that um, you know just his being part of First Financial Resources was a huge part of that because as we talked about, the people that he surrounded himself with right. that opened yep. up doors. Um, and, you know, just the last time I talked to him, you know, or, or just what he's told me is that, um, you know, his, his biggest, typically his biggest um, worry is just being able to manage all the new leads that are coming in because um, he likes to go on vacation. He's in Hawaii right now. He just survived the hurricane. Um. <laughs> well, you know what you, you, you see most of the big producers and the very successful producers have a very good work life yeah. balance. And the more successful, you know what, they, they know when they work and they know when they take time off. And I think that's important as well. Totally. Yeah. No, he's absolutely mastered that. <laughs> yes, he has. <laughs> work hard, play hard. Work yeah. hard, play hard. Absolutely. Um, or is there any question that uh, maybe I haven't asked, but you think might be important for our audience to be aware of, whether it's um, something, just an insight that you've gleaned over the past 30 plus years, whether it's something regarding first financial resources, um, whether it's an insight into becoming or maintaining yourself as a million dollar producer. Um. You know, I, I would just go back to, I think, you know, it's important for producers to have the, the great relationships with the carriers. It's important that there's a trust between the carriers and the producers, which we lost for a few years, which is now coming back and, and the FFRs of the world can help with that. The, the, you know, there are other producer groups as well. And, and I support the producer groups. I think they're all important. They all bring a value to their members. Uh, each producer has to decide which way they want to go. And if, you know, if, if, if I'm a producer who is dependent on somebody else's back office, uh, FFR may not be the best place for them. 
There are other groups that, that would do better giving you a back office. If I'm a producer who's already successful and I just want to make sure I'm, I'm hanging with the right pe people mm -hmm. and uh, getting what I think is fair compensation, then yes, I'm going to take a look at FFR. Bottom line though, is it's a great business. We've got a great future in this business. And you know, we just all have to protect the business that we're in so that it sticks around. And, and we do that by doing good quality business, good planning for the clients. Um, there's nobody else out there doing what the life insurance advisors do. And we just got to keep doing it. You know, um, my, my, my final thought, if you would, is it's interesting. I mean, you know, you, you hear about life insurance, um, you know, typically in the same category as, you know, say attorneys or different things where it's, it's, it's not always portrayed positively. Um, I, I've had a unique experience where, um, you know, a year ago or working with Shane and then over the past one year plus working with any number of people at First Financial Resources, um, you know, starting at the top level, if you will, you know, I would describe the, the kind of work and the kind of advanced concepts and the opportunities. I would use the word sexy. Now, you know, how often do you um, use the word sexy when it comes to, to life insurance? But I think what, you know, the people that you work with, um, the thinking, the strategic thinking opportunities, the difference that they're making um, in people's lives for the better um, is really cool. I mean, it's something that, you know, I, I, I love being part of. Yeah, we have, we have such a phenomenal product. And, you know, it, it is tough. I mean, nobody wants to talk about dying. So that's why it's so <laughs> to make appointments and get appointments for the producers. It, it's a tough subject for people to talk about. But when you, when you look at the economics and you look at what can be done with this, these new generations of products and the inside buildup and all the opportunities that are there, these are phenomenal products. And, you know, we, we need to protect them. We need to protect them by doing right by our clients and right by the industry. Because if we do, we're going to be around a long, long time. Well, there's a reason why, you know, people like uh, uh, Warren Buffett and I believe Jeff Bezos and uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg are, uh, from my understanding, are all heavily invested in some form of life insurance because sure. you know, the, the, the richest, smartest people out there know the value of it. Well, and, and not even at that level, but we're, you're starting to see again at some of the, at, as it works way down, these products being sold again for the cash accumulation, for, for, the, for the guarantees of, of time. But you're finding people of all walks and lives buying these policies. So it's not anymore considered this is just stuff for the very rich. Um, these policies have tax benefits and benefits that are good for everybody. Fantastic. Mike, I very much appreciate your time today. Thank you very much for being our guest on the Million Dollar Producer Show. And on behalf of a bunch of the FFR producers, I want to thank you for what you've done for them and, and continuing to, to promote. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Bye for Bye. now.